Today we are finishing up our small sermon series, He's Still Got the Whole World in His Hands. Uncertainty is nothing new. The uncertainty we face today is in fact no different than it was uh, during Bible times, the men and women that faced uncertainty there. And with all that's going on in our personal lives and in the world around us, it's normal to ask questions like the ones we've been asking. Questions like, how do we continue to trust God in what seems to be his absence? How do we find peace in a world that is spinning out of control? And today, we ask the question, how do we remain hopeful in a world that seems hopelessly broken? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we enter into your word, as we explore the challenge in front of us, as we go after you in this time, I just pray that you would reveal to us that which we need to have seen and known. Lord, it's easy to put things aside, and I just ask that you would help bring things back, that you would give us the attention we need in these next minutes that we could hear from you and hear really well. Amen. So on Monday morning, I woke up to pins and needles and tingling and numbness down my legs, um, which kind of freaked me out. So I roll out of bed and I start walking around and I've got this tension and tingles and it's terrifying for me because I've not really felt something like this before. It was radiating down mostly my right leg. So it was distracting, it was distressing. It was one of those things that was just like, oh no, what do I do? And so. It actually was bad enough, and this, this is usually, this is pushing it. I actually reached out to a physiotherapist and chiropractic clinic and booked an appointment. I know, taking care of myself. Good job, Trent. Um, but it was distressing. Um, and yes, I, I figured, we figured out that it wasn't as bad as I thought, but it still, it was really distressing and distracting. All of this was made only worse by the fact that I've tended to pride myself on my physical health. I've always hoped to be that guy, the one to kind of beat the curve or beat the odds when it comes to health. And frankly, this moment kind of scared me and it was a bit of a wake-up call. Trent, your body's not gonna last forever. Maybe don't put too much trust and too much hope in it. Have you ever placed your hope in something or someone and it just comes crashing down all around you? My guess is yes. You live in this world, I am sure you've been disappointed. And if you haven't yet, you will. Sorry to be a downer, but that just seems to be the situation we find ourselves in. So there's, there's situations like if you've ever been at the altar and you've made those claims until death do us part and then he or she decides, you know what, it wasn't until death, it was until someone else better came along. And your world comes crashing down. And you feel like, where, where do I go? Where, what do I do now? There's a hopelessness and a helplessness that sets in as you try to manage this tension of how do you maintain hope and love in all of this brokenness. Or maybe you were promised something at work and it didn't work out for you. In fact, you went the second mile, you went really hard after it, only for it to be dashed or the economy to change and the job gets lost and you find yourself thinking, where do I go now? What do I do now? How do I maintain hope in a situation like that when my environment feels broken? Or maybe you're one of those people that was unusually athletic 
and you were told and you were excited and you got scholarships and you put your hopes and your dreams on the ability for you to compete and you were good at it. And then one day something happens that you weren't expecting, a hit in a way that just wasn't right and there goes the knee and the challenge and the scholarship drop off and you find yourself thinking, where do I go now? How do I walk? How do I live? How do I move forward? Or maybe it wasn't even about your life and your environment and all of your hope is in your kids and then they grow up and then they make choices and you keep thinking to yourself, why, why are they choosing that route? Why are they going that way? And there's nothing you, it seems that you can do you can't give them back their teenage lives or their, their, the years that have been lost or wasted in their poor choices, and it, it feels hopeless. If you've ever found yourself in these points of tension, and I'm sure you have in some way, then you understand. You understand this kind of world that we live in. And Scripture has always been asking these same kinds of questions. The word hope is a big one. It shows up a lot, and for good reasons. Humans need hope like trees need sun, or like a clash of, can, uh, clash of clans or a Fortnite gamer needs Wi-Fi. We need hope. The conversation of hope saturates the Bible. Um, if you want to open the Bible up, we're going to go to Job. Yes, the book of Job. You might not have been expecting that because there's not a lot of hope in the book of Job, it seems at first. But what's really beautiful about this ancient book is that it asks deep questions, questions of meaning and suffering, hope, faith. And this whole narrative poem floats back and forth. Here's just a bit of a plot summary, just so you have a bit of sense on the book of Job. So Job has experienced this terrible loss. All of the, all of the good things in his life have been pulled away. And then the question is, is in that, what does he do? How does he live in a broken world like that? And then his friends and he exchange this like ancient rap battle back and forth about what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. His friends basically say this, and I, put, I say friends in quotes because they're not really great friends most of the time. Basically, they say things like, Job, you must have done something wrong. Ask for forgiveness, say sorry to God, and it'll all get better. And then Job responds saying, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I haven't done anything wrong. There's nothing for me to apologize for. And it goes back and forth, back and forth, until eventually, eventually, God shows up and responds by telling everybody all of these unanswerable, wonderful, beautiful mysteries of the universe. And Job drops to his knees, and he says, who am I to question God? And then Job gets everything he started with, plus a little bit more which is always like, okay, is that how it actually works? But this is a beautiful ancient conversation of how this goes. Now, I want us to go, um, this was all just to give you time to find Job in your Bible. And now I want us to go to Job 8, 11. And I'm going to read, we're gonna, we can read it together. Job 8, 11 to 15. This is basically one of his friends, Bildad, oh, the great Bildad, who basically does like a bit of a mic drop, in my opinion. It is actually really good information, a beautiful insight, and a truth that is saturated throughout all scripture. All right, let me read this. Can papyrus reeds grow tall without a marsh? Can marsh grass flourish without water? While they are still flowering, 
not ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than grass. The same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. Their confidence hangs by a thread. They are leaning on a spider's web. They cling, they cling to their home for security, but it won't last. They try to hold it tight, but it will not endure. In other words, those who forget God have no hope. And I love the imagery, leaning against a spider's web, right? You can picture that. It's this facade, it's this false wall, and these people, they lean against it and they just fall through it because there's nothing there. They're clinging to things that are but vapor, vanity and vanity. So, how do we, how do we overcome the tension of maintaining hope in a hopelessly broken world? How do we do that? Well, it starts with us evaluating our source, evaluating your source of hope. Is your hope just wishful thinking? Things like when you're driving in in your car and you're speeding towards a green light and you're like, I hope it stays green. Is that the kind of hope that you rely on? A fingers crossed kind of life? A gamble, a bet, kind of hoping in the lottery that if this, just this comes through, which is almost impossible, then everything can turn around? That isn't hope at all. That's wishful thinking. And it's not the kind of life for you to build on. It's it's not the kind of things for you to build your life on. It's a spider's web. So what kind of hope do you rest on? Now, there are sources of hope that are a bit more secure than just wishing. Things that you can often expect. For example, a lot of us right now are planting seeds in a garden. And we fully anticipate the natural law of things is that these seeds will grow, they'll become plants, they'll flourish in some capacity, maybe not a lot, but something will happen. We expect a seed to turn into a plant. There's a little bit more weight there, but a hail comes, or a drought comes, or a flood comes, and instantly where our hopes rested, it kind of falls apart. Things like a marriage, right? Or some of those other things that we've listed where there's a little bit more substance than just wishful thinking and fingers crossed. But even those things, when push comes to shove, that that person changes their mind or that person passes away. These things that we lean into that we rely on, these things that we look to into the future and we put our hope in that, relationships or groups of relationships, that company or this profession or your ability or your looks or whatever, where does it take you? Uh, My family loves camping. I grew up camping, uh, something I always enjoyed. And one of the places that we would go was uh, Livingston Falls provincial park. Now there are these like beautiful like rock slides that we could go on um, and it was a ton of fun. Well one of the other things is at the rock bank there was a lot of erosion happening and it would cause tree roots to be exposed on the cliff edge. I don't know if you can picture that with me but these roots started to get exposed as the river was washing away and amazingly these roots would weave their way back into the 
into the bank, on, back into the soil, and the trees were strong and healthy, including the roots. We almost used them as like a jungle gym, uh, and it was a ton of fun. And then one day, we got this brilliant idea. Let's lay sticks down and build traps. And let me tell you, my friends, we were really good at it. And, and these were like steep cliffs. It was pretty dangerous underneath. So we would collect sticks and we'd lay them across these big open gaps between the, the cliff edge or like the, the bank and the roots. We'd lay them down and then we'd slowly build it up and then we'd put enough like leaves on it and then we'd throw the dirt and it, we matched it perfectly. And my brother and I, we were so pumped. Like, we didn't have like a vision of what was actually going on that could actually happen, but we were just so impressed. And we go back to our mom and dad, and we're like, come look at our amazing traps. And I, my parents come out, they take one look, and they say, tear it down right now. This is way too dangerous. Because sure enough, we did such a good job that if someone came and they put their weight on it and stepped through, they would have gotten really hurt. Now, it was actually secure enough that if you kind of put your toe out and just push down a little bit, it might give a little, but it wouldn't come crumbling down. But once their full weight was on it, toast. <laughs> and I'm glad we act, now that I'm a little bit older, I can appreciate how terrible that could have been. And, and, and here's the connection point, if you haven't already made it. The world gives us false ledges. The world presents to us illusion after illusion and invites us to put our trust in this thing or in that thing, in this institution or in that person. And even if the world didn't do these things, we would still do it for ourselves. Even though we know, we know that deep down these things don't last, they don't have endurance, they, uh, these things die, they cr crumble, they don't work for us in the long term, and yet we still go after it. And we do it anyway. We, we poke the ground and we slowly walk out and we walk to the edge, we inch towards it. But human experience and history all point in the same direction. We live in a hopelessly broken world. And yet, despite all of that, we still do it. We still hope. And when this thing fails, we go on the hunt for another thing. Why do we do this? Well, I think it's because the human condition requires hope. We're built for it. We need it to exist. From the day we are born, we are hoping and relying on our parents. We remove it, and we are toast. I have, and I am sure we all have at times, tasted that bitter, terrible taste of hopelessness. It's terrible. So here we find ourselves. We need hope to live. We long for it, but we live in this hopelessly broken world. And when we honestly evaluate our sources of hope, when we look closely at those things that we rely on, we come to see that they are vain promises. They're invitations to an edge, and they're just a trap. They're a spider's web. There's nothing there, and we fall through it. When push, comes to uh, push and shove comes down, and we have our challenge, and we put our weight on it, what happens? The things of this world are not a firm foundation. Wishful thinking and expectant hope ultimately lead to decay and frustration. But there is a third kind of hope, a hope you can build on, a certain hope, 
knowing for certain. Hope that is built on God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Real hope that is based on God's word, not on my desires, not on my wishes. You know, what's great about God is he can't lie. What he says is. And he's given us over 7,000 promises in scripture. That's something for us to rely on, to hope in. We don't just hope in our emotions and how we're feeling about a situation, but we hope in what God has revealed. Thousands of years of eyewitnesses have seen and testified to the faithfulness, the trustworthiness, the goodness of God. We don't trust, we don't put our trust, our hope, in things of this world that decay. All things in this world decay. But we have a hope in something that is eternal. Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior, the one who defeated death, is still living. He is the living hope. This is a hope that we can actually hold on to, a hope that changes how we think about our lives and our worlds. How do we overcome the tension of maintaining and even growing in hope in a hopelessly broken world? Put your hope in God. Please, if you haven't, do it today. Put your hope in God. Don't wait. Put both feet in. Jump on it. It is a firm foundation. It is not a trap. It is not a trap. It's time for you to feel the strength, the power, the security of placing all of your hope in God. All of your hope in Jesus, who is still alive and is the king of this world. And here's the thing, God knows your heart. He knows your desires. He knows your hopes, your dreams, your longings, all of these things. But we cannot put our hope in those things. God knows the destructive power of hopelessness that comes from putting your weight on things of this world. And he doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want you lost in hopelessness. He wants you to live and to live abundantly. But we can't without a secure and certain hope, a living hope in Jesus Christ. The good things of this world are beautiful and they are gifts for us to enjoy. And you'll only fully enjoy these gifts, the gifts of this world, when we stop making them the source of our hope, making them our identity. When you live for those things, you're not going to be able to live well. If you pursue and live in trust and hope in Jesus Christ, you will have the strength and the foundation and the ability to enjoy what comes in this life. And when things get lost and ripped and stolen from you in this world, as this broken world does, we have an anchor, a, a sure foundation. 1 Peter 1, 24-25 says this, All people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Forever. I love this promise that we have in Hebrews 6. In Hebrews 6, verse 19, the first half of that, it says this about this kind of hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now, I love the illustration 
of the anchor. Because what happens with an anchor, or what happens to a ship if you don't have an anchor? It, it drifts, it tips, it doesn't have security. So the anchor keeps the boat from drifting, right? I don't know if you've ever been floating out in the water and you like take a nap on one of those floaties and then you wake up and the tide has like slowly migrated you a mile down the beach. It's kind of terrifying or slowly brought you out. I have a friend who is snorkeling and then he pops his head up and he is so far out from shore and he's exhausted that he, it was actually a near death experience and he was so fortunate that there was actually a bit of like a rock outcropping that he crawled up on and laid on it for like half an hour to get his energy back before being able to make it back home. Anchors keep us from drifting. It keeps the boat from drifting. And honestly, friends, it's so easy for us to drift off course in our lives. But our hope in God is an anchor. It keeps us from drifting. The other great thing about the anchor is that it keeps the boat stable in a storm. It reduces what they call like the pitch and the roll in the storm. It creates stability. When hard things come, there's security and it works. God invites you to drop a secure anchor for your soul. And he knows. And when you evaluate the hopes that you've been using right now in your life, when you evaluate all of it, we know that the only sure and secure anchor is Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we overcome this tension? How do we grow in hope in a hopelessly broken world? Evaluate that, your hope. Where does it come from? How secure is it actually? Be really honest with yourself. Put your hope in God. And then this final point, preach this hope to yourself. Preach this hope to yourself and to others. Psalms 42.5 says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You can just picture it. You can picture the author, the writer, just being like, man, why am I so downcast? Why am I frustrated right now? Why is today eating me up and I have this sense of hopelessness? What's going on? And there, there's that self-evaluation. There's this honest assessment by this psalmist evaluating what's going on in his life. And out of that, in that place, he then has this moment where he moves from questions to this statement, a declaration. Put your hope in God. You can see him preaching to himself, declaring over himself the promises of God that build his faith and, and strengthen it and drops that anchor back down and creates it so there isn't drift, there isn't tip in a life that's full of storms. In the storm, we have a tendency to look everywhere but at God. I know that's the case for me. We might look af go, go after a vacation, somebody else or something else, an affair, something outside, but the truth of it all is that we need to turn our attention to God. Hoping in God does not come naturally for us. We need to preach it over our lives. We need to speak about it. We need to talk about it. And we need to allow the gift of the Holy Spirit 
to speak that truth into our own lives. Friends, we do have a hope in this world, in Jesus Christ that is secure and solid and firm and perfect and beautiful. And I encourage you today, if you haven't yet, to put your hope in Jesus. Take, take that foot off of that trap and put it on that firm foundation. Stop leaning against the spider's web. There's nothing there. Honestly evaluate what choices you're making in your life and move away from that hope into a secure and certain hope. We don't have to live our lives as people just hoping and wishing, but we can actually have a certainty. It's in God's word, it's through the testimony of the church, it's through the witness of the Spirit that we have a true and living hope in Jesus Christ. And today and this week, put your hope in Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly trust in your name. Lord, I know that many of us have been walking with you for a long time, but we've been drifting, we've been sliding, we've been, we forgot about the anchor, and we've been fighting with the storm and, and not understanding what's going on. Lord, I pray that you would reveal in our hearts that the truth is, is that we've taken our hope off of you and we've put it on earthly things. Lord, today we put our hope back to where it needs to be, the only place it can be, in the eternal hope that is in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I know that there's some of us here that are watching and listening that have never actually put their hope in you. Lord, today I ask that you would encourage and speak to their hearts that, that they would say yes to you, that they would say no to all of the chasing and the dreaming and the wishing and the hoping that's led them nowhere except to hopelessness and frustration and that they could turn to you finally. Lord, we love you and we need you. And this world, it is broken, but you are its hope. And we, your church, that carry that hope can bring hope to others. Give us the strength and the wisdom to preach that over our lives and to build ourselves up so that we can be a people secure and excited, filled with joy, able to love, because our hope is in something strong. Amen. Friends, I would encourage you, I know that you're watching this online, but text a friend or turn to the person that's beside you and make, have a conversation about turning from the hopes that you've been putting in that aren't secure and putting your hope in Jesus Christ. Make this a moment in your life of transformation. All right? Would you do that? Please, I encourage you. Go in peace and amen. Thank you for being with us today.